Hello, I'm Dominic Arkwright. This program's a bit different from the rest. Today we're going to hear an interview with Adam Henson. After all, this project was his idea. I met him at Cotswold Farm Park to find out more about what's driving him to change our attitude towards mental health in the farming community. My name's Adam Henson. I'm a farmer from the Cotswolds. We have a 1,600 acre or 650 hectare tenancy, a mixed beef, sheep and arable farm, and also a large collection of rare farm animals where we have a place open to the public called the Cotswold Farm Park. And we welcome around 180,000 visitors and we have a holiday site with accommodation and camping. So we're very busy and quite diverse, um, but I've been born and brought up on this farm all of my life. I live in the tenanted house that I was born in. So quite insular in a way, but very lovely in another. And um, I love living in the role in Cotswold Hills, and it's a beautiful place to live and work. Adam, what's made you want to create these programmes? I love farming. I've always loved it. Um, Chase my dad out the door, pulling on my little wellies from the moment I can remember. The great outdoors, the farm animals, the you know the, the machinery on the farm. And um, I tell people it's the best job in the world, and I still genuinely feel that. But the statistics show differently. There's some very difficult times for farmers across the UK. And a lot of them are struggling with mental health and suicide is quite prevalent, which is incredibly worrying. And there's a lot of agricultural charities doing some great work. And I wanted to help with that and to add to it. And what is the the ultimate aim? Really, if we can just uh, lift the feeling of farmers around the nation and you know around the UK so that they realize they're not on their own that this isn't uncommon that we can get people talking about it we can signpost them to the right organizations if they need major help and to give people the tools to be able to cope and if that helps people and saves just one life we've done a good job Let's get straight into to the big picture. We're talking about the, the mental well-being of, of farmers. So just give me an overview of some of the challenges that, that you're all facing. Yeah, with farming, you can work incredibly hard, uh, long hours in all weathers, um, particularly with livestock, but also in horticulture and with arable cropping. And you can be the best farmer in the world, but there's so many outside challenges and things that put pressure on you that you can do nothing about. So that might be political change in the way the government is supporting farming or encouraging farming in the direction it wants it to go in. And that changes quite regularly. Of course, you've got the weather and you can't do anything about the weather. And we're getting these extremes, you know, extreme heat, extreme cold, you know, amazing flooding. And as a farmer, you want the weather to be right all the time, which is why as farmers, we often moan about the weather because it's never quite perfect. But you're kind of a resilient bunch of people and we can cope with it to a degree, but sometimes it's really against us and has a huge impact on us physically and financially. The legislation in agriculture in the UK is very, very strong. And that is something to celebrate from the products that we sell. But it's also very difficult for those people who are trying to manage that, particularly if they're not very paperwork-based individuals like me. I'm rubbish at it, which is why I've got an amazing business partner that sort of helps support me on that, and we have a team of people who do it for us. But if you're in a farm where you can't, don't have a business partner or you can't really afford someone to help you, it can be complicated, it can be tough. You've got more demands as an individual on your time looking after particularly livestock that need to be cared for on a daily basis, and it never goes according to plan. You start a day with a list of jobs and 
those jobs change almost instantly when you start going out on the farm and you're realising things aren't as you expected. And there may be a cow calving or something's broken its leg or a tractor's got a flat tyre or whatever it may be. And therefore, the paperwork is often pushed to the evening when you're tired and run down and you should be spending time with your family and you try and do the paperwork then you might not get it right it's quite complicated a lot of it is online now you know I'm the first one to admit it's really difficult and then a lot of farmers will be in financial difficulties there are some very large successful units with some very wealthy farmers but there are also plenty of people who are struggling financially and with the political change and particularly leaving Europe our support scheme our subsidy scheme some might call it is being reduced quite significantly and the commodities that we produce whether that's lamb beef pork wheat you name it we're often trading on a global market or a national market and unless you can find niches or a second job or some other form of diversification you know, straight agriculture is very difficult. You know, we've run a 1,600-acre farm here. We're on a tenancy, so we have a large rent. But our arable unit is, you know, and livestock are are quite big, well-run units. But we struggle to make ends meet. And thankfully, we have lots of other income streams. But for many, that's difficult. And you've got a family to support. You've sometimes got the, the history. It's the little family farm has been in the for generations you know granddad had it dad had it and now you've got it and if you're struggling and failing and it's not working for you and you're working hard and you're not spending enough time with your family and you're compromising on your health and your well-being you know it gets pretty horrible let's talk about working hours i mean it's understandable that there's some periods of the year which are going to be particularly hard working but talk to me about the general issue of the, the hours that farmers spend working yeah, on a, on a farm, because there's so many different facets to it, so it may be, you know, machinery to maintain, fencing to put up, animals that have routine veterinary medicine treatments, crops that need harvesting or looking after in various shapes or forms, with the husbandry of those, of those crops and animals, then you're under the time pressure to get those done. And because of the weather being so variant, that when the weather's right and the conditions are good, you've got to go. Lambing is a time of year. Ewes come into season in the autumn, they give birth in the spring, and they're going to give birth that spring. You can't say, oh, hang on a minute, uh, we, the lambs are going to give birth for the first two weeks of April, but I want to go to the Caribbean. You cannot. You've got to stay and lamb your ewes. Very, very long days in a tight pressure. So if you have got all that paperwork that needs doing, you know, all the record keeping, um, your accounts, your books, maybe you've got staff, you've got to do wages, you know, that puts pressure on that. And often then if you're doing those physical jobs and then trying to manage a business, something's got to give. And the crops falling over and falling out in the fields or the lambs being born dead cannot happen. You won't, as a farmer, let that happen. So it's the other things that give. And then you have to do those either late or you get it wrong or you know it's inefficient or it's at unsociable hours that then puts pressure on your family you get invited out by your friends to go to things you can't go because you've got this backlog of work you know the pressure just builds and builds and builds and gets worse and worse and so, you know, that's the problem so there is a it affects mental health in the short term actually yes it does and 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 then you know that you've got it again next year you know farming is a cyclical thing and it isn't something that just comes and goes you know it goes on and on and on and on What if I'm a hill farmer working with my wife with sheep in Cumbria 
Uh, I don't make ends meet. I run it at a loss. Then what? I can't hire someone in to help me, can I? No, and that is part of the problem. In fact, the, you know, paying a land agent to do your um, form filling for government support, and often that's where the money's coming from. You might not be making any money out of your sheep, but you might get it from environmental scheme payments or your base payment scheme, which is the, which is the scheme that's going to run out in, by 2028. We're not going to get that money anymore. It seems completely counterintuitive to go and pay an agent £500 a day to fill those books in for those forms in for you but actually that's what you ought to be doing <laughs> because it's going to make you a lot more than that but no you can't and and when you're really struggling and the bank is knocking on your door and you've got a huge overdraft and they won't let you borrow anymore where do you turn and uh, that is you know probably a very good example of those sorts of farms that are and will be struggling more in the future and I have a huge amount of concern for them um, and so what do you do and sometimes the obvious thing might be to give up the tenancy and walk away or sell the farm because it might be worth a lot of money so you don't have the cash but you've actually got but you've got this asset that you could walk away and you could go and earn more money stacking shelves in a supermarket but because you're a farmer and it's ingrained in you and it's come down through the generations and all your friends are farmers, that world of stepping away from it can be alien, scary, not what you want to do at all. And so you stick with it and you dig in and you keep fighting in the trenches until it all goes wrong. And the other thing about working long hours is you live on the farm, you work on the farm, there's no... There's no homework separation. So how do you create, how can I create some kind of balance between what's home and what's work? Yeah, and that's a brilliant question, really, because, you know, if you talk to a personal coach, they would tell you, you've got to have these, you know, pie chart of life. You need some time for you and for your family and time to rest and sleep and exercise and relax and all these, you know, and eat healthily, all those things that we probably all know deep down. Um, but when you're farming, you grab some food on the run you run in and grab a sandwich that probably isn't very healthy and you grab a drink that's probably an energy drink that's full of caffeine that you probably shouldn't be having and you don't look after yourself and so making time is really difficult but absolutely essential thankfully because I've got a fantastic team and I've got a brilliant business partner and a lovely family I'm probably one of the worst at saying no. I get asked to do things all the time and, and take on jobs and you think, oh, that's gonna, that, that'll bring in a few quid, I must do that. But it's on a Saturday night. Shouldn't you be going out to the pub with your mates or out for dinner with your wife? You go, well, no, no, but I'm going to earn a few quid, so I'll go and do that. And then before you know it, you haven't got a wife anymore. She's left you. And your friends, you know, all doing other things and having a lovely time and you've missed it. Your kids have grown up and left home. And, and so... It is really, really important, but it's quite easy to get on your soapbox and preach about it, but the practicalities of making it happen are difficult. Can we talk about the uh, family business and, and if a husband and wife or partners are working together and the children and the grandparents maybe, what are the kind of pressures on them? Yeah, so I remember it as a child. You know, my mum very much did the wages and did the books and ran the retail side of the of the Cotswold Farm Park Artillery Enterprise. And my dad was very practical on the farm and looking after the livestock. His business partner was on the arable. And me and my sisters, as soon as we could pull our wellies on, were keen to join in and help when it was fun. Um, but then as we became 
got into our late teens, it was kind of expected. If you were home for your holidays, you know, you, you needed to come out and help. And perhaps a more old style traditional family that my sisters were expected to make sandwiches and cake and come down the farm park and serve cups of tea and you know do the, all those sorts of tasks in fact my eldest sister was very into animal breeding and ended up doing genetics and zoology and all the rest of it she would often be out on the farm helping with lambing and so would I and so I'd be on the night shift and I remember coming home from school and a mate of mine had come back with me and we, we were we were 16 17 you know it was an important time of our life um, socially growing up but also educationally you know I had my A-levels to do and I'd go on the lambing duty at nine o'clock that evening and I'd be lambing until two in the morning and I'd do a great job I'd be really good at it and then I'd grab a bit of sleep I'd shove a bit of breakfast in my mouth and I'd go to school and I'd fall asleep at the back of the class and I failed all my A-levels and um, I don't blame my parents and father for that you know I just got on with it because it was kind of expected I then went off, I wanted to go to agricultural college, so I went up to Derbyshire and worked on chats with the state, and I had to go to night school um, to retake my A-levels so I could get into agricultural college. And so even then, I was working on the farm, I was only getting paid overtime because it was more of a work experience than a job, so come five o'clock, I wanted to work extra hours to pay for my rent and be able to buy my food and have a pint of beer, but then also I had to go to night school twice a week. And the pressure just never stopped. And so actually when I got into agricultural college and I was there for my first year, I thought, is this really the life for me? But I loved it and I still love it. A bit about financial pressures. I mean, how bad is it? How, in, from people you know and, and people you talk to, how, how financially sort of desperate are some farmers? Yeah, well, there's a huge range. Um, so there's massive farming businesses who are incredibly successful, right down to ones that are living off an overdraft. Their only profitability will be from the farm support schemes. And so and they will be earning an income for the family of less than 25 grand a year, and they'll be trying to live off that. And in today's society, with the costs of everything, that's very, very difficult. And if you're on the breadline and with the pressures of an overdraft, trying to run things and trying to expand and increase and do better, um, getting out of that rut, I, I can't imagine it. It must be almost impossible. If I know someone, if I am that person, where should I look for help? My advice if you or any of you people you know are, are struggling, I would go to the Royal Agricultural Medevolent Institution, I'd go to the Farm Community Network, I would phone Samaritans. Um, one of those charities are there with a free helpline and I think they could be very, very useful. So put, put all, all of this together, the uncertainty, the policy, the money, uh, the isolation, what's the kind of picture overall in farming of, of mental health? In farming now, it's pretty much one a week is taking their own life. And for me, that's appalling and horrible. And I think that farming is one of the best jobs in the world. But with that as a statistic, you know, it doesn't sound like it, does it? And you have experience. You've, you've lost a, a friend, a colleague. Yeah, so I had a, a really good friend who was a fireman, um, but he also helped run the family farm at home. He then gave up his job as a fireman and was, was coming home to help run the farm. Uh, he had sadly gone through a divorce and had had all sorts of 
problems with that and then some financial pressure of course was settling the divorce and um he was a really lovely charming life and soul of the party guy who um i imagined to be the type of person who would go out and help those people who might be suffering physically financially or mentally and very shockingly he decided enough was enough and he couldn't cope with the pressures he was under and um and he took his own life and and i've never quite understood why and didn't see it coming and uh and i would love to think that this podcast series as well as all the work that those other agricultural charities are doing will help in some way so these terrible things do happen um what can we do to try and prevent it I think we've got to be more open and honest with one another. We've got to be able to recognize it in our friends, in our family, in our work colleagues and realize that there's a huge amount of help out there. Then if you are feeling down, you're not on your own. It isn't unusual and to not go down that dark corridor, to to step aside, take a look, have a chat with someone and try and find the right direction to get yourself out of it. So the message really is people shouldn't feel alone and they shouldn't feel embarrassed or scared of talking about it. Absolutely not. You know, some of the people that we've have in these podcasts are testimonials of people who have been in difficult situations. All the messages are don't feel alone, speak out. And that shows courage and is in his brave. You know, I spoke to Nigel Owens, you know, the famous referee, and he said, you know, it, it shows a huge amount of courage and bravery to, to, to speak out and to bring your problems to the forefront and share. You know, that's not a weakness. And actually there is, if you know where to look, a, a lot of help out there. There is huge amounts, yes. I mean, of course, there's your local GP to start off with. There's friends and family who love and adore you, obviously. And then there's all the charitable organisations that can help. So the Farm Community Network, the Royal Agricultural Benevolent Institution, the Royal Scottish Agricultural Benevolent Institution. There's often regional organisations that are looking at mental health and and helping people in that way. Um, the Addington Trust. You know, the, the list is quite long. The, the National Farmers Union. Um, so there are lots of places you can turn to. And often they've got helplines that are 24 hours. They're completely um, discreet. Uh, you know, it's, they're not going to share your story with anyone else. Um, but they're experts who can help you. And we shouldn't forget that it is a great job. It is a great job. And it is absolutely wonderful. And I wake up in the morning with a spring in my step wanting to go to work. And as many farmers do. There will always be the challenges and there will always be the grind, but farmers are resilient and they're an amazing community. Um, it's the great outdoors, it's the livestock, it's the crops you're growing, it's all the wonderful things of being farmers, producing an amazing, fantastic quality product at the end of the day. And British farmers produce some of the best food in the world and we need to shout about that, we need to be proud of it and we need to be strong together and really drive agriculture forward. And if we can just help in some small way, on top of all the other organisations that are helping with this problem in the agricultural domain, then it's a job well done. That was Adam Henson. Our thanks go to all the organisations who've supported this project. Please keep listening and stay well. Stay well.